You're listening to Language Nerds to Earth, a podcast about linguistics, culture, travel, and how they're all connected. Now it's time to meet your language nerd hosts. One in China, one in Spain. It's Patrice and Rachel. Hello, everyone. I'm Patrice. And I'm Rachel. And this is Language Nerds to Earth. We're on episode 48. Yes, today we have kind of a special little tour of our musical sightings, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in our respective continents, I think. Mm-hmm. All of mine are from Asia. I believe all of mine are from Europe. Yeah. Obviously, we've seen street music other places, but we just didn't necessarily have a recording of it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about a year ago, Rachel and I decided... We're going to do an episode on street music soon. And then we kind of stopped talking about it. So, But both of us took recordings of uh, street music that we heard. Or music in general. But yeah, we're coming together to bring those sounds to you today. Yeah, so we'll get to some of our favorite music that we've seen and talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And then we have a Lost in Translation moment from Taffy in Tennessee, number two. Yeah. Thank you, Taffy, for submitting your Lost in Translation moments. Yeah, thanks, Taffy. But first, we have some language news. Yes. So this article is from The Guardian, and it was just released a few days ago, actually. The title of it is Language Wars, colon, The 19 Greatest Linguistic Spats of All Time. So we each chose a few of our favorite from the article. You know, people get really emotional about differences in the ways that they think language is supposed to be. Yeah. So yeah, this is 19 of the best ones throughout history. Yeah, so think about the Oxford comma that gets people really riled up. Mm -hmm. That did not make the list. Surprisingly. Uh, I think we've talked about the Oxford comma before. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot where you stand on the Oxford comma. I'm all for it. I love the Oxford comma. Yeah, I think we came together on that one. I think we were on the same side. (laughs) A united front. Yes. (laughs) So some of these were fairly, um, I don't know, trivial or, you know, small things. Mm -hmm. And others were a bit more serious. Mm Mm-hmm. And before we get into it, if you've binge-listened to our episodes already, you might have heard the one with the language news about how Oxford no longer refers to British English as the standard of Mm -hmm. English language, but rather as one of the acceptable variants of the language. So just kind of a little reminder that languages change all the time and... Really, I think we are all going to witness a lot of change in our own languages throughout our lifetimes. Sure, yeah. Mm. That's good reminder. Mm. So the first one that I really liked, it's the first linguistic spat, and it's called the apostrophe catastrophe. So maybe it would rhyme in British English, apostrophe catastrophe. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it might. Yeah. So... This is hilarious, actually. There's a grammar vigilante who's been roaming the streets in Bristol, England for over a decade, who has been correcting 
shop signs with apostrophes in the wrong place. So, for example, he went to a sign that said Amy's Nails with an apostrophe before the S in Amy's, which is correct, and then an apostrophe before the S in Nails as well, which is not acceptable. So he actually takes a sticker and puts it over the apostrophe. (laughs) (laughs) I actually really appreciate that because it would drive me nuts. There's a linguist in this article who says, you know, fetishing the apostrophe as as if its rules are set in stone and then fostering an environment in which it is acceptable to take pleasure in uncovering other people's linguistic insecurities is not okay. But I think he's a little bit too bleeding heart for me in that situation because... (sighs) It's a crime. It's an apostrophe crime. Yeah, that's what the guy said too, right? Yeah. It's a bigger crime what they're doing. Exactly. (laughs) I don't know. I think it's just kind of funny. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the other is a little melodramatic. but Yeah, yeah. So one I really liked was called Are You Really Disinterested? Mm. And it's basically disinterested has two meanings. Either uninterested that you're not interested in something or the other meaning is being more like impartial and some people are really adamant that it means the second that it's more impartial Mm -hmm. but technically both are correct and even in the Oxford English Dictionary it might mean not interested or unconcerned and has been used that way since at least the 17th century. Hmm. So you can't really choose which definition is correct if a lot of people use both. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, actually, I really, I really like this one too, because I was just wondering about it the other day. I started to write, uh, like somebody is disinterested in this and I was like, wait a second, isn't it uninterested? Wait, disinterested uninterested and then i don't remember what i decided on (laughs) but that's really funny that there's actually a huge debate over them i know Hmm. cool uh another one that i really liked was you might remember george w bush referred to nuclear war as nuclear war now, this article points out, you know, the fact that we used to make fun of George W. Bush for his malapropisms seems quaint these days, which I totally agree with, you know, Kofefe. <laughs> but at the time, like, nuclear, it was, you know, showing, oh, he's not intelligent. He doesn't even know how to say nuclear, especially since he's in charge of the world's most powerful nuclear arsenal. He should be able to at least pronounce it correctly, right? Yeah. But actually, this is not uncommon. This article said something really interesting about it. This is called a syllable flip, uh, and the technical term for it is metathesis. And all English speakers live with the results of historical metatheses that caught on. So, for example, horse used to be raws, and bird also used to be brid. Yeah. I had no idea. No, me neither. Pretty cool, though. Yeah. I think gross, gross is a lot harder to say than horse. <laughs> right, gross. Yeah, maybe HR was more common in Hra. that time. Hra. Yeah, Hra. seems hard to me, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, another one I really liked was splitting hairs. So, basically, the idea of splitting the infinitive from two 
you're traditionally not supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. So instead of saying like, in order to completely understand, you would say in order to understand completely. But in fact, the Chicago Manual of Style dropped this rule in 1983. Mm. And the rule first appeared in an 1803 grammar guide, but actually people have been splitting infinitives. I think it's a fairly natural way to talk, but they've been doing so for hundreds of years. So Mm -hmm. To completely understand, to understand completely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty interchangeable, I think. Yeah, in my ear, it sounds pretty much the same. Yeah, mine too. Um, Another one that I really liked was, it's actually not English, it's French. French can be particularly touchy about changes to conventions that govern speech. So Romance languages have two genders, and in French, they only have one gender for titles. So in 2014, there was a socialist member of the National Assembly of France representing the city of Paris, and so a representative insisted on referring to her as Madame le Président, which is the masculine form of president president and she responded that he must call her madame la présidente because that's the feminine version of it but it's not actually officially a word in french i guess so he refused and she fined him 1378 euros <laughs> good for her yeah good for her i think that that's going to be something interesting to see in Languages that have gender. Yeah. Like that. Well, and with the emergence of a more vocal non-binary population. Yeah. That's going to confuse it even more, I think. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Well, the last one that I'm going to talk about is an issue that arose between Nixon and a Saku Sato, who was the prime minister of Japan. So this was in the late 60s, and Nixon was trying to get the Japanese prime minister to restrict textile imports. And Mr. Sato said, Sensho Shimatsu. And literally this means I will do my best. However, it's a cultural difference more than a linguistic one. And in Japanese, it really means no way. So his translator said, I will do my best. So when this did not happen, Nixon was very angry, and he called him a liar. Wow. That is a cultural linguistic merge, if I ever saw one, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I will do my best is actually no way. That sounds very Japanese from what I know about Japanese, you know, like... It's like a saving face thing, you know? Like, I'm not going to outright say no way, but there's no way this is going to happen, so. Yeah. So it's pretty cool, this article. There are 13 other linguistic spats that we did not talk about that are really interesting. Yeah. So you might want to check that out. We'll link it up in the show notes. Definitely. There are a lot of really good ones in here, so make sure you check that out. But yeah. Let's start listening to some of the music we recorded for you guys. Yeah. So this one, I think, is a good way to start off 
because maybe coming to Spain, you kind of have an image of what it's going to be like. And one thing that people really think of, I think, with Spain is classical Spanish guitar. Mm -hmm. And so outside one of the most iconic museums, definitely in Madrid and probably in the classical art world as well, is the Prado Museum, which is home to a lot of works of Goya, um, Velázquez, and lots of other classical masters. So anyway, let's take a listen to this, which was just kind of like quintessentially Spain for me. Yeah. That is so nice. I really like that one. Yeah, it's really gorgeous. And it was such a lovely day as well. I was just Mm -hmm. uh, enjoying the weather and this beautiful city that I live in. And sometimes I really do walk around thinking like, wow, (laughs) it's just incredibly gorgeous. Yeah, that's so nice. And it really reminds me of like old movies or something that take place in old Spain or even old colonial Americas, that type of music is just, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it has a lot of really positive associations, plus it's just gorgeous. Yeah, definitely. I I feel like it's, you just, you just feel like that musician, he's not in a hurry, you know, he's just enjoying Mm -hmm. his life. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. So which one would you like to start with? Um, I'll start with this street musician I found, I want to say it was in one of the big pedestrian shopping areas in Shenzhen. And Uh this is a stringed instrument. And I actually am not really sure what it is. It's played like a guitar, but it's a, it's like in the shape of a flattened gourd, I guess. Mm. So it's like a long, an elongated banjo. And this is also kind of, you listen to it and you're like, ah, I'm in Asia, you know? So I'll start yeah. with something typical as well. pretty yeah it does sound really different like from a western sound so it's a really cool comparison i feel like we're gonna have several of those yeah i think we might (laughs) so i haven't heard any of rachel's things and i think you might have heard a few of mine but definitely not very many no i didn't listen i was trying to keep myself fresh yeah exactly (laughs) 
Um, and you can't see the video, but I sent Rachel the video, and you can see a little QR code on the box in front of the guy, and that's so you can pay with QR code. Oh my god! So it's very common in Asia to find like a street musician with a printed out QR code that's like laminated so that you can um, give them money by WeChat. So That's so smart. Yeah, it's really because everybody uses their phones to to give money these days to pay somehow. Uh-huh. So nobody has cash. So it's pretty clever. The first time I saw that, I was like, no way. That's so smart, though. And I mean, people increasingly use more digital payment and less cash. Mm-hmm. And I think in Asia, even to a further extent. Especially China, yeah. Do people even use cash? I actually, just yesterday, I saw like a cashier like making change because somebody had used cash. And I was like, wow, it's not something you see every day here. Yeah. But also the, the instrument that he was playing looks really cool. You should see, maybe you can find like a picture of it. So yeah. That we could post. So... Another thing that is quintessentially Spanish is flamenco. Mm. And while this isn't technically in a street, it is like a jam session in a bar that I went to in Sevilla, Mm -hmm. which was really, really cool. So people would just kind of jump in whenever they felt like being part of the music or for like one song they would come up and then they'd go get a beer. That's fun. And... Also, flamenco songs are probably, like, eight to ten minutes long. They're very, very long. <laughs> and they have, like, a whole story. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's really cool. But let's hear a little portion of that. Okay. Give me a I love that. It was super fun. You know... Rhett, no? Yeah. Yeah, he took us there to that bar. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I so, love the yeah. singer. He, he's really into it, too. Like, at first I thought he was exaggerating. He's super expressive. Yeah. I think that's just, like, the style that he was doing well. But, yeah, it's... If you see the video, he's super expressive and in his voice as well. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can hear that. Yeah. Um, so he was a singer a lot of the time. Uh-huh. And he also, I believe, played guitar sometimes. Yeah, that's really fun. Uh, yeah, flamenco is really interesting because it has, it's from the south of Spain, more or less like Sevilla, but I don't know if you can really pinpoint like a city, but anyway, it's from Andalusia in the south, which was ruled by North Africans for a long time. So it has a lot of this sort of Arabic influence and you can see that in the architecture but you can also hear it in the music those kind of like uh sounds are very like from the arab world and you can really hear it and also with the clapping is very very typical of flamenco yeah i really like that well the next one i have is also i'll go with a jam session at a jazz club in chiang mai So Chiang Mai is a really 
cool city in northern Thailand. It's very well known among backpackers. It's the largest city in the northern part of Thailand. And surprisingly, the jazz scene there is very hip. Cool. My friend took us to this jazz club when we were visiting in February. Actually, he took us to a few different ones. But this one, it's interesting because Chiang Mai has such a huge backpacker population of people who are not Thai. So you would expect the jazz scene to be like a bunch of people coming in and out who are from the West, but actually it's homegrown. Mm. All of the players were Thai. So let's check it out really fast. was a jam session i think they had had it booked mm-hmm. but you could tell there was like improvisation going on the way the way jazz does right yeah it was this really cool little bar like in the stone bottom of this building so it was a very nice ambiance i wrote about it in the blog entry i did on thailand so maybe we can link that up in the show notes as well yeah And that is actually a really good point that if you are traveling with people who live in a place, they can often take you to really cool places. Yeah. Like that jazz club or like this random bar where they had a flamenco jam session like once a a couple times a week, something like that. Yeah, it's perfect. It's really cool. Yeah, if you can visit somebody, get their tips because they know things. Always, yeah. I have, like, called people out of the blue or written them on Facebook out of the blue, like, I know we haven't talked in, like, 15 years, but I'm going to be in this place. Are you in this place? Can you show me around? And I never regret it. (laughs) Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, and then even if they're not there, then they might be happy to hear from you and might know somebody who's who's cool to take you around. Yeah. So the next one of mine is these two guys in Cordoba. And honestly, they look like they're about like no more than 16. They might actually be older. I don't really know, but they really look like they're maybe 16, 15. Mm -hmm. And my friend and I, when we were there, we sat and watched them for probably an hour. Wow. And I think they play on this bridge, like, maybe every day or at least really often. Uh-huh. But they play kind of like a Spanish-style guitar, and it was all instrumental, so that's a little bit of a different vibe than the, the last one of mine.
It's so Spanish. Yeah. It's like totally. the like classical thing I think of when I think of Spanish guitar is exactly that sound. Mm-hmm. And honestly, don't they look like they're about 15, 16? Yeah, they do. They're great. They're really good. Yeah. And just to give you an idea of where this was in Cordoba, it's the Roman Bridge. So it's a very kind of bustling area and it's this ancient bridge and a lot of tourists around and you also have like Cordoba's kind of up a little bit Mm -hmm. like you can see just like the beautiful things and you have a good view of the mosque it's quite the picturesque place to like have this that's really cool it sounds so nice Mm -hmm. (sighs) okay I will also go with an extremely typical instrument that I found in China for my next Uh one. It's the Urdu, and I found a guy playing this in a park. And actually, it's really funny because it's the two-stringed instrument that you play with a bow, right? And Mm. he was playing the song, but he had a boombox blasting it, and... (laughs) I don't remember if he had a mic on his Urdu, but he was actually playing it. But the thing that you were li- that you were listening to was not his music, or maybe he had pre-recorded it. But it was actually playing out across the lake, so the acoustics were really good. I live across the street from this enormous park in Shenzhen. There are a bunch of huge parks in Shenzhen, but I live close to a really big one. And there's a nice, huge lake in the middle of it. So that's where this was taken. Cool. Beautiful. Isn't it? I didn't realize that I was also recording the sounds of the birds in the park. It's so cool. And you can also hear like the people going by because the people like to walk with their families there. But yeah, I really like that too. Yeah, and it sounds really typical of, you know, what you hear either in the movies, kind of stereotypical, but like in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> Just like the Spanish guitar is like stereotypical in the best possible way. Exactly. Yeah, it really sets a cool tone. Yeah. These places where we happen to be. And I think it also, I mean, it makes you more aware of kind of where you are as well. And yeah. it sets a really nice backdrop. So I really love when people play like traditional things for the area. Me too. Really cool. Cool. Okay, so this was kind of a funny thing that I heard. I'm just going to play it and let me know if you know it. And if you're listening, see if you know the song as well. I heard this in Paris, also on a bridge. (laughs) 
one. I don't know what it is, though. <laughs> okay, there's no reason that you should, but I was listening to it, and I was like, oh, this is great. And then I was like, this song, this is like the Indiana State song. Oh, what? It's called Back Home Again in Indiana. And my mom's from Indiana, so I've grown up listening to that song. But, you know, wow. when I was in Indiana, it's not like it's a like well-known song outside of that state. So I thought it was hilarious <laughs> that they were playing it on this bridge in Paris. I was like, of all places. Yeah, totally. Where did you guys get that? <laughs> and so I went up to them and I gave them some money, I think. And I was like, I was like, my mom's from Indiana. They were like, no way. That's so cool. <laughs> I bet you're the only person who's recognized that song. At least the only person who recognized it all day. They were in Paris. Yeah. (laughs) It was so funny. But whenever you go to the Indianapolis 500, they always play that song. And everyone stands and sings. And (laughs) it's a big thing. It's very catchy. It's a very nice song. Nice melody. Mm -hmm. It's usually not so jazzy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's definitely jazzed up, but... That was a funny experience. (laughs) That's fun. Okay, well, actually, I was thinking about playing my trumpet song next, My Horn. Okay. I know it's it's really bad. Like, it's performed very poorly. So the trumpet player, he really needs some practice. But it was a pretty song, so I wanted to include it anyway. (laughs) So this was also taken in the park where I live. So every once in a while, I'll go for a walk through the park on a, like, Saturday or Sunday morning, and people will be playing music in there. So this was Trumpet Man. That's my name for him. (laughs) So I'm standing next to this street musician who has a little trumpet looking thing. It looks like just the horn. He's about to play. He's got a boombox playing music in the background. I'm also trying to figure out if some of it is, like, the style of music, you know? Like, the squeaks, I can't really figure out if they're accidental or if they're, like, even almost harmonics of, like, a lower Mm, note. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I am pretty sure... It it seemed to me like it was just mistakes, but maybe you're right. But, no, it's a a really pretty melody. Yeah. I like it a lot. And the sound of the instrument is very different as well. Yeah. It sounds Asian. I mean, it sounds Chinese, specifically. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. That would be interesting also to see what instrument that might be. Right. I don't remember. I called it a trumpet, but it didn't sound like a trumpet, did it? No, no. (laughs) <laughs> Definitely not. But something about it almost sounded like Celtic to me. And I don't mm. know if it was the melody or if it was like the tone that sounds almost like a bagpipe. Yeah, I think that might be it. It 
it's reminiscent of a Celtic instrument. I think you're right. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Very cool. So I'll do another one from some travels outside of Spain. So last summer, as you might remember, I was in Germany. And when I was in Munich, we saw this really cool Eastern European band. I'm not sure if they were Russian. I think they were from a variety of places, but Russian-esque, we can say. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But they were very cool. They were performing for a really large crowd in Munich. And they had CDs, so you could tell that they're actually a band. And, but they played a lot of different types of music, so that was pretty fun to watch them kind of switch between like a jazz and uh, more traditional like Eastern European music. And just to give you an image, one of the guys is playing like a big balalaika, which is a Russian instrument. It's a bass balalaika mm -hmm. it's like a triangle instead of it being like a guitar shape it's like a triangle with a neck huh. and it's like i don't know three or four feet tall huh. like across it's huge and then the woman is playing hammer dulcimer okay. and the other guy's playing um piano keyboards oh okay oh no sorry he's playing accordion Wow. And she's playing... Hammer Dulcimer. Okay, Hammer Dulcimer, okay. So this one was a cover, we can call it a cover, I guess, <laughs> of a classical piece. It's beautiful. So that was pretty cool. And the other one, I think, is a Moscow Nights... Wow. It's so pretty. Yeah. Actually, when I was in Russia with my choir, we learned this from a s couple of different Russian choirs. Really? Not the words very well, but <laughs> just the tune. <laughs> yeah. And you hear it everywhere, especially in Moscow. I really like it. I've never seen that instrument before. I have only seen it at a Russian, like, event. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah. It was super fun. And... <laughs> I like that kind of music. It feels very, like, dancey. Like, you can mm -hmm. imagine dancing. Celebratory. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. In a Russian sort of sad way. <gasps> right. Yes. The way only Russians can do. Yeah. Sad, but celebrating. Life yeah. is hard, but... <laughs> cool. Well, I will also go with one from outside of China now. And this is some monks chanting at a temple in Bangkok. 
That's so cool. So, yeah, that's very different. Yeah. I love that. You do? Okay. I'm glad. It was a Buddhist temple? Yeah. So, Thailand's a Buddhist country, and all men have to do a year of, instead of a military service, they serve a year as a Buddhist monk. So, there are a lot of Buddhist monks all around Thailand. And this was, yeah, at a temple close to Chinatown in Bangkok. Mm-hmm. And I, it sounds like it's just like two or three dudes, but... No, it sounded like a lot. You think so? Maybe you're right. But yeah, I was listening to it from the top of the temple and I was like, let me get a little bit of audio of this. It was really hot in Bangkok and you can, like, if you picture, like, the sun's beating down on you and you hear this sound and, like, the bell is, like, an offering, Mm. maybe. So, yeah, it's very, very location-specific sound definitely yeah if you hear that sound it definitely clues you into where you might be mm-hmm. <laughs> like if not a specific yeah. country at least a specific type of temple that's really cool yeah and that's part of the thing do you remember when we talked about the guy who travels and uses his senses because he's blind and deaf yeah Well, I think sound is one thing that sometimes we don't pay as much attention to as we do our sight, but it's something that's really very interesting to pay attention to while you're traveling. If it's not music, it might be the sounds of a siren. They change Mm -hmm. based on country. It might be just the sound of the language, how loud people talk, the sounds of different types of church bells or other religious sounds you might hear. Yeah, no, definitely. Like the sounds of a um, of a mosque, mm-hmm. for example. The call to prayer. You don't hear those everywhere. No. But I totally agree with you. I think that we take for granted the sounds that we hear. I think we often don't stop to think about how different they can be because we're so focused on the way things look. Mm-hmm. But when you look around a place or when you're in a new place, you pay the most attention to like oh wow look at how different everything is but Mm -hmm. you might not notice what you're saying like auditory changes as well which are just as fascinating yeah really cool so i think what i have left are sort of different sounds from around madrid that i have heard which i find madrid to be pretty interesting in its street music because it has a lot of variety. So I live really close to where they do a really large market every Sunday. It's called El Rastro and it's enormous and it's kind of a pain in the butt to walk through but it's also really cool because they have lots of musicians and for example there are these this jazz band who always sets up on this one part of the street And then these African drummers come through. Their performance is like walking. And there are quite a few jazz musicians. It's pretty popular for jazz. But Mm -hmm. it's really cool. Just like the mix as well. It's a lot of food and people selling things. So it's a really cool thing. So a couple of those... Oh, cool. 
Yeah. I don't know if you can hear. It's a little hard to hear, but they also sing. Yeah. And the rastro takes place close to a neighborhood or part of a neighborhood that has a lot of especially like African immigrants and Mm -hmm. uh, as well a lot of Pakistani immigrants. So it's very multicultural and people wear more traditional clothes from their culture as well. Fun. So everyone is dressed in these really bright and colorful sort of long tunics uh, with pants and a lot of them have dreads or braids and they drum and they sing and then they walk up and down different streets in the rastro. It's really, it's really pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Sounds really lively. Yeah. You can also, it's hard to hear them singing because the rastro is just loud and a lot of people mm-hmm. talking. So, Yeah, it makes sense. So another one from the rastro is this jazz band that I was talking about. They set up every Sunday. Oh, I love it. Yeah. That's so cool. We used to always do our groceries on Sunday, and we would always walk by them coming and going. Now we've decided it's smarter to go on Saturday when there isn't a huge market going on. So <laughs> fair. That's beside the point. But it was really cool. At least you got to walk by them. And yeah, it's cool because it's a contrast to the jazz music that you heard earlier on, mm-hmm. which was a bit more... Definitely. New style. This is a bit more yeah, like modern, yeah. Sort of swing era. It's like my favorite kind of jazz. Mine Just too. Like, mm, yeah, <laughs> like big band yeah. era jazz. <laughs> For sure, that's really fun. So these are some other musicians that I've heard just walking around Madrid, and I think it's kind of cool together because. They are from different sorts of musical backgrounds, and they're all in the sort of center area in different squares. Tirso de Molina, mm-hmm. Jacinto Benavento, and I don't know, Callao maybe around there. Anyone who's been to Madrid, I don't know. Start with Tirso de Molina. <laughs> I love how you can hear the sounds of the plaza as well as the musician there. Yeah. You can really hear the music echoing off the walls of the buildings. Yeah. Both the guitar and his voice. I love his voice. His voice is great. And that high kind of clear sound is just, 
mm-hmm, chilling. Mm-hmm. You can even hear him s- the strums on the guitar. It's mm-hmm. so clear. Okay, and the lesson. Nice. So I think it's just kind of a cool combination. Mm-hmm. I think the last one is more of like a traditional Spanish sound, but yeah. the others have definitely more of a Latin feel. Yeah, true. From different regions, probably, but yeah, it's cool. It's a kind of a melting pot. Yeah, totally. That's so cool that you are just surrounded by all these different kinds of music. Yeah. Okay, I'll do one more, and I call it Park Song. <laughs> That's the title, and... Chinese people love karaoke, or Asian people in general. So in karaoke is the Japanese word. In Korean, it's norebang, which literally means song room. Yeah. And in China, they call it KTV, and I haven't really figured out why yet. It might just be karaoke TV. But yeah, yeah so I'm walking through the park, and there's this man singing karaoke. So... <laughs> Well, that's really funny because I think that's just like a cool cultural representation of pop culture and what people like to do and Mm -hmm. how they like to spend time. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, people don't really party as much the way we do in the West here. And so it's fun. It's interesting to see what they do with their free time. And Mm -hmm. a lot of it is going to the parks, which are gorgeous in China. Park is like a very common term, but in China, they're very nicely manicured, especially in Shenzhen. There's like a huge flower area with topiaries, and there's an apiary. There's an area where people go fly kites. Like I said, there's a huge lake in the middle. I mean, it's a very nice thing. So people like to go hang out in the parks, and sometimes they might sing karaoke. (laughs) That's really cool. Yeah. So I hope this helps you pay attention to the sounds and especially music that you might hear that could be really different from place to place. Mm-hmm. I think it's something really cool to experience when you travel because that's something that changes a lot. Exactly. I'm really glad we did this episode. I wasn't sure how it was going to turn out, but actually it worked out very well, especially like our combined experiences. Mm-hmm. And really cool, like... You can definitely tell the difference between more, like, European-style music Mm -hmm. and more, like, Asian-style music. Yeah, definitely. That's been really cool to see. So what's the coolest street music that you've seen? It would be really cool to see if you could send, like, either videos or maybe a short audio clip. Let us know. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay, well... Before we go, we have a Lost in Translation moment from Taffy, so without further ado... 
Hi, my name is Taffy and I have a lost in translation moment. So I studied abroad in China, uh, learning Mandarin. And at the beginning of the school year, my university did this really cool thing that was sort of like an opening ceremonies where uh, Jack Ma actually was a speaker because he was an alum of the university. Uh, it would have been really great if it wasn't at the beginning of the semester because I didn't know any Chinese. So I still to this day have no idea what he talked about. But I heard him say the name of my university over and over again. And I was still new to the concept of tones. So I was like, huh, it's interesting how he says it the exact same way. And, you know, this was like an inspirational kind of speech. So he was very passionate every time he said it. So it was always like, Hangzhou Shifan Dashui, blah, 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 blah. Hangzhou Shifan Dashui, blah, 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 blah. And I was always like, well, that just sounds very interesting. So fast forward to a day or two later when I was trying to take a taxi back to my dorm. And the taxi driver was like, Chunar. And I tried telling him, uh, Wo Yao Chu Hangzhou Shif and Dashway. And he was like, Yo Chunar, yeah? And I tried this several times. And he was just like about to throw me out of the car because he couldn't understand where I was going from. And I said, Okay, well, uh, let me try it like that one guy. So I was like, uh, Hangzhou Shif and Dashway. And he goes, Oh, 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 okay. Hangzhou Shif and Dashway. Okay. So, 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 so. so it was just really funny how that power of mimicry was very important that I had to sound like Jack Ma in order to get back to my dorm room. Yeah. Oh man. Taffy makes such a good point. Do you know who Jack Ma is? No. He's like the richest man in the world, maybe behind Jeff Bezos, but he's the founder of Alibaba. Oh, okay. He's a really, really big deal. But yeah, it's amazing how much you have to use mimicry in any language when you're learning, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's really difficult at first, I think, uh, just because you feel silly. It doesn't feel natural saying yeah. something. But it, when you start doing it, you quickly realize how useful it is to try to imitate the sounds exactly as you heard them. Yeah, and you might feel, as you said, really foolish or really silly. You're like, oh, I'm going too over the top or I'm just imitating too much. But really, like, that's how people speak and that's mm-hmm. how you should be speaking if you're trying to speak the language. And in Chinese, it's because of the tones, like, to a whole another level, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I've also learned over and over in China. <laughs> I think the <laughs> hardest part is remembering remembering what they are. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Taffy. That was a really interesting Lost in Translation moment, actually. Yes. Thank you so much. And let's wrap it up. Yes. So make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so that you can get all of our episodes in one place. Follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. And that way you can keep up with the little fun things that we're doing. And make sure you send us your Lost in Translation moment, just like Taffy did so beautifully. You can go to our website, languagenerdstoearth.com, and click on the contact section. And then you can press the button that says start recording, and you have 90 seconds to submit a recorded version of your Lost in Translation moment. You can listen to it before you send it in, or you could also submit it via a written message in the same area. And make sure you please leave us a review on iTunes. We are looking for your iTunes reviews, and we can't wait to see your opinions. We know you're listening. We know you are. Tell your friends if you enjoyed it, and help them subscribe as well. Not everyone knows how to podcast, so... And our next episode is a very special one. So should we tell them? 
Should we tell them what our next episode's about? Yeah. Okay. Let them get excited. You're right. Well, our next episode is about drum Automatopoeia. Yeah. We're finally doing it. And we've got some special guests who've helped us look at it from several different languages. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Yep. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Speaking of music, someone is singing very loudly in the hallway outside my apartment. Mm. There you go. Sounds like a happy person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Anyway.